Hey friends, uh, this is episode 132 of This Good Word. My name is Steve, and thanks. I just want to say thanks. I want to open up the episode by saying thanks for journeying with me. If you are new around here, thank you for joining me and joining us in this conversation about reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. And if you've been with us for a long time, thank you, honestly. Uh, whenever I hear from you, a quick email, a Facebook message, uh, that tells me that this matters, that what we're doing here is important, that in a world where everybody is running to the extremes and fighting about their own positions, uh, many of you have said that this good word, this conversation that we're continually in is breaking some new ground and providing maybe a bit of a third way of thinking about life and God and hu- and humanity. And uh, so I think all those things are good. And so I'm excited about what is coming. Today, I want to talk about this word permission, uh, because I think in general in life, we're being led away from ourselves. Uh, maybe this is the story of humanity ever since the beginning. Uh, it probably is. But especially lately, I feel like it's becoming harder and harder to know what we need, to know how we really think and how we really feel, and to spend our time on what is genuinely important. There's lots of distractions. There are lots of uh, triggers out there that will pull you right into fear and scarcity and essentially pull you away from the person that you are, that you'll trust less and less in uh, who you are and what you think and, uh, you know, sort of who you are at your core, at your essential self. We're being pulled away from that because there's, uh, frankly, uh, so many loud voices out there. And so so I want to talk about permission. I want to talk about reclaiming our actual selves. I want to talk about remembering what it is that we need and moving towards what we need. I want to talk about uh, finding out and naming how we actually think and feel. And I want to help us create some space to spend time with what is genuinely important. So I'm going to tell a couple of stories. I am going to ask some questions and I'm going to uh, share some practices that I think could be helpful if you feel like you need permission to move toward the essential self that you are. Uh, whatever that is, right? So immediately, maybe you think, oh, you know, in my family, in my religious system, in my circle of influence, even with my friends, even with my family, I can't really be my essential self. This episode is for you. I want to give you some permission to reclaim who you are and to, to maybe start practicing some things that will help you remain who you are. So a couple of stories, and this is going to be on the lighter side because I think we need to start in the mundane ordinariness before we hit the heavy big stuff. But I was meeting with my psychiatrist. I'm on some medication for depression. I've talked about that before. And I told him that everything was really working great. I was feeling sort of the most balanced that I've felt in a long time. And so he celebrated that with me. 
And then I said, the one thing I feel like might need a little looking at is that I feel like, gosh, three or four times a week, uh, I take a nap, you know, and I might go down for like 45 minutes and I feel like, you know, like, is that wrong? Is that bad? Like, should I have more energy than that? And is there something in the cocktail of the drugs that I'm taking that is making me feel too tired and I need to maybe, uh, you know, switch that around? And so he listened and he's great. He's awesome at listening. And what he said was, well, you know, I just heard you say that you're feeling great. You're feeling awesome. You're feeling the most balanced and the most healthy. So I, I think probably... We're, we're at a good level of, of your drugs. And, and my levels are pretty low uh, to begin with. And I only say that to say that, um, not to say like, oh man, my levels are low. I don't need that much. I'm not saying, <laughs> not saying that. Just to say that I think he was picking up on, listen, it's, it's probably not, not the drugs that are making you feel tired. So it gives two options. Number one, you can drink more coffee. <laughs> when you feel tired. <laughs> and he's like, but you know, uh, some of the research says that some coffee is good for you, but a lot of coffee, probably not that great for you. And then he said, the other thing you could do is you could just embrace the nap. Like if you feel, I mean, you're so creative, he said, and he knows a lot about me, knows about my work and what I do. He goes, you write, you preach, you meet with people. Almost everything you do is like in the creative realm and your brain probably needs a reboot every day. Like in addition to going to sleep at night, you probably need a midday reset. You need to shut it down and then allow your brain to kind of file things away because it's sleeping, because you've done a lot. And then when you wake up, you're probably more refreshed to keep doing what it is that you do in life. And when he said that, I felt this immediate like, oh my goodness, yes. What if I just felt, what if I gave myself permission three or four times a week when I can? Of course, I can every day because life is life and I do have a full-time job and I'm a dad and all that stuff. But when I can, laying down for a short nap might really be helpful to me and not a sign that I'm defective, but actually something I need, something that's helpful to me, a strategy so that I can be more my essential self. See what I'm saying? Like my essential self is creative. I spend a lot of energy and time helping people move from here to there because I'm a leader. And I do that in my writing, I do that in my speaking, and I do that in my relating to people and my meeting with people. And that takes a tremendous amount of listening uh, to God and to people and to my own soul. And so I probably, in order to do that well, I might need to embrace a nap. <laughs> So there you go. So I'm working on that. And I told my spiritual director that too. And he just laughed and he said, oh, so you've discovered Napio Divina. <laughs> and if you know Lectio Divina, you kind of get the joke there. Um, but he's like, no, man, it's, I'm, I'm serious. A nap is great. And um, so I'm going to try to embrace that. Uh, it's hard for me sometimes because I feel like uh, my go-to in life is to keep producing in order to make me myself feel like I'm more valuable. And I think when I take naps, I know like, oh my gosh, uh, that's not being productive. And so that fights against some of my shadow self, but I'm trying to embrace, trying to give myself permission to do that. Now, the other story I want to share um, 
is I was at this denominational conference, and let me tell you, the the, the pastors in our denomination are amazing. I, I don't know what you think when I say denominational conference, and maybe immediately you think, oh my gosh, why would you do that to yourself? No, uh, the the men and women that I get to surround myself with in our denomination are some of the most thoughtful, brave, courageous, beautiful, diverse, uh, both theologically and ethnically uh, in our denomination, and I love them. So spending time with them was really, really good. But I'm also an introvert, and I've learned to give myself permission to you know, make sure I get my own hotel room, I don't share space with anyone in that, make sure that I... Um, have time in the morning to myself, I have time in the afternoon to myself. But even with all of that, by about the third day of the conference, I was feeling an unsettledness and even kind of a sadness. And when I feel those things, what I've learned to do is ask why. Oh, like greet it like a friend that just has shown up and sit at and taken a seat at the coffee shop where you're sitting. Oh, hi, there you are. Uh, or maybe like a you know sign on the on the dashboard of your car, a little light that shows up. It just it just means something's happening underneath that you probably should take a look at. And so I took a look at the sadness, and I thought about it for a while. I reflected on it, and here's what I came up with: that I'd been spending a lot of time at this conference talking about theology and some theological issues, which is really fun for me. I mean, it honestly is. I love plumbing the depths and uh, thinking about new ways of thinking about things. I love seeing what new things that God is doing in the world and how we can join God in that work. And I also love having deep conversations with just a person or two about not theological things, but about heart things. How are you doing? How are you doing in the world? How are you doing with your calling? Uh, what struggles are you having? What joys are you experiencing? And I noticed, and this is why I think I was sad, I noticed that I hadn't really had that many of those conversations and I was hungry for them. And now, sadly, I came up with that when on Wednesday and I was pretty shot by then. And so I spent a little more time by myself on Wednesday than I normally would. And then Thursday, uh, I went and recorded 18 episodes, folks, of someone else's podcast. Uh, I do the interviewing and they do the talking and it's really fun. I really like this person. But man, that's recording 18 episodes in two days and I was shot afterwards. What does this have to do with my essential self, with my, uh, with my real self and having permission? Well, what I'm, what I'm learning in all of that is that permission to be an introvert, permission to have plenty of time and space to look out the window, to reflect on nothing, and to be by myself. I just absolutely have to have that. And so um, what I did in order to recover, because I got back on Saturday, spent, spent Saturday with my family. We had a party that night from my wife's birthday and then right into Sunday and that's preaching and all that stuff. But by the time Sunday night and Monday morning ran rolled, rolled around, I made sure that all of my work on Monday was solo work. I didn't have any appointments. I didn't have any. Um, and, and that's what I do every single Monday. I work on Mondays. A lot of pastors take Mondays off, but I, I work on Mondays 
but I, but I make sure to work on, I'd start my sermon on that day. I do catch up on email. I do any kind of creative and strategic thought that can only be done by myself. I light a candle in my office and this candle is the best. I got it from my mom for Christmas. It's called Santa's cookies. And it honestly smells like cookies. It is the best candle ever. And uh, I put on some music. I close my door. I look out the window. I'm sitting in my office right now. This is where I record the podcast. It's where I do a lot of my creative work. And I just kind of regroup. And I give myself permission to do that. If I line up appointment after appointment, some people can do that. I have learned after 22 years of being a pastor that I cannot do that. I cannot do that. So um, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to give myself permission to be who I am. And those are some pretty small examples. So right now I want to move to some practices that you can do um, in order to have permission to be your essential self. Um, if, if it has something to do with maybe a little something bigger, maybe we're talking sexual orientation and the circles that you run in are, um, hostile, maybe your family. Uh, and so, um, I want to talk about that. Maybe, uh, maybe it's, uh, you are a round peg in a square hole at work and there's no real getting out of it. You sort of have to be at that work for a while. Maybe it's not ideal, but it's not the worst. Um, but you spend 40 hours a week with people who don't really get you. How can you be your essential self? Uh, maybe you're listening to this and you are a young adult and you're still living at home and your parents are still maybe treating you like you were 15, but actually you're 21. And so, um, I, so um, let's, let's talk a little bit about some practices that are going to help you remain to be your essential self. Practice number one, start the day with um, some silence. You might want to light a candle or play some really gentle music. Find a chair that you really, really love to sit in. And this has got to be, this particular practice has got to be alone. And you're going to spend about 10 minutes. You can set a timer on your iPhone or, um, or any other kind of timer and simply Follow your breathing. Breathe in and breathe out for about 10 minutes. Set a timer for 10 minutes. And you're going to breathe all the way in. Nice deep breath in and deep breath out. And you're simply going to repeat this phrase from Brendan Manning, one of my favorite authors. He refers to God the same way that Jesus referred to God. And that is Abba, which means daddy. Uh, or you could you could say mommy. I mean, it's, it's you know, parent, it's sort of a loving uh, if God is the most loving parent, if God is at least as loving as the most loving parent on planet Earth, then you can rest safe in, in God's presence. So we're going to be spending time in God, God's presence and just repeating this mantra over and over again for 10 minutes. My Abba is very fond of me. No matter what your sexual orientation is. No matter what your um, level of acceptance is at your job or in your family or at your school or with your roommate or even with your spouse, my Abba is very fond of me. My Abba is very fond of me. You can even breathe with that. Breathe in, my Abba. 
breathe out is very fond of me. Breathe in. My Abba, breathe out, is very fond of me. And what we're doing here is we're actively creating space for you to be your essential self with God without any judgment. You're starting the day with this space where you and God can be together and when you can specifically feel loved by God exactly as you are and not as you should be. And what happens over and over again is new pathways get created in our brains. If you want to read some science on this, uh, Science Mike McCarg, I've had him on the podcast before. Uh, he wrote a book called Finding God in the Waves, and it's sort of his memoir, but it also includes uh, some really good research on what happens in the brain when you sit and imagine a loving God loving you exactly as you are and not as you should be. So this is a really huge practice. The second practice is find, even if it's just one person, hopefully it's a little group of people, where you can honestly be your actual self and where there isn't judgment, where you can be um, sometimes, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you can not make sense, where you can contradict yourself at times, <laughs> where you can rant and where you can cry and yell and be yourself and where you can listen to other people be themselves. What is, what is the person or group of people where you honestly can, where there can be a circle of trust? You can be yourself, you can be your honest self, you can be your actual self, you can be your essential self, but you don't have to try real hard. Like again, you can contradict yourself. You can, you know, you can say stupid things from time to time. Um, but but are, is there one or two people where you can be ultimately and totally safe with? Um, if, if, if you're cultivating this practice with God in the mornings or at night, doesn't have to be the mornings, but um, because some of us aren't morning people, it's fine. could be at night. If you're cultivating a safe circle of people, uh, then you're going to be much more likely to be able to survive in these other circles where maybe you don't feel like your essential self is being recognized where you aren't given permission to be yourself because, because you are given permission to be yourself with God and with this little circle of people, it, it becomes less and less, you, you, you feel less and less frantic that that those other circles, which frankly can't see you or are so blind that they're so entrenched in the old ways of thinking that they, they, they just can't see you for you. Um, you can, you can live in those environments when you have to, um, with a little less angst. I hope that makes sense. But then the third, the third practice is the practice of truth telling. So um, I think one of the things that pulls us away from ourselves the most is when we feel so much pressure um, to express views that really are different from what we actually think and feel, uh, that we end up just agreeing with things and going along with things and, and actually being not true to ourselves and not true to how we feel because it just feels like it's too much effort to be a truth teller. 
So um, what, what, what I'm talking about is if someone says something, and I've, I've brought this up in other podcasts, but maybe someone drops a political bomb, and I'm talking from whatever side, right? I'm not talking just like someone drops a Trump bomb and, and they want you to love Donald Trump. Okay, but, but sometimes it's from the other side too. I mean, I, I really have experienced um, that um, like fundamentalists uh, are fundamentalists from both sides of the political spectrum. I can meet a very progressive fundamentalist and I can meet a very conservative fundamentalist and they're actually the same person. <laughs> I, I experience them in the same ways. Right. And um, I mean, that's maybe a little judgmental, maybe a little mean. I don't mean it to be. I just mean, um, what would it look like for me instead of just kind of going along with it and then trying to change this, change the subject? Just saying something like, wow, that's fascinating. You know, I don't see it that way. And then just just letting it be letting it be. So um, and then if they ask you, well, what do you mean? then you can say the shortest, truest thing. Like one of my one of my friends is convinced that the Pope is trying to derail the Catholic Church in many different ways. Now, the truth is, I don't really even know too much about that, but Pope Francis seems like a pretty legit guy to me based on the things that I've read, based on what, what other people say. And so I just have to say to this person, and I have... Uh, a bunch. I I just have said, hey, you know what? I don't see it that way. And I, I just, I don't buy that line of thinking. And I'm not trying to be argumentative, but I just find that I lose a little bit of my soul if I just kind of go along with it. And, it, and if I just kind of say, oh yeah, well, okay. Uh, by the way, how are the Vikings doing? You know, and which by the way, I think the last podcast I did, I was all high on the Minneapolis miracle and the big catch by Stefan Diggs. And then we went out in the next game and absolutely got murdered by the Eagles. So there you go. We go up and we go down. But back to the practice of truth telling, what would it look like for you to say, to say the shortest, truest thing? You don't have to belabor it. You don't have to get all emotional. You don't have to fight even. Just what's the shortest, truest thing that you can share? So I think um, these practices, the again, the practice of sitting in silence with God, breathing in, my Abba is very fond of me, because then you can start to experience God accepting you exactly as you are, not as you should be, very transformative. And then finding a little circle of trust, uh, a person or a few people that you can be your contradictory self, your absolute essential self without having to... Um, project an image all the time. Uh, it's very restful and, and where you can listen to others too. I mean, it's, it's not just about having a space where you can say everything that you think. It's, it's about um, having a space where you can think, uh, or sorry, where, where you can listen to them too. Because something that happens, something happens about us becoming our essential selves when we hear other people say their truth, right? And then the third thing is being a truth teller. Uh, what's the short, shortest, truest thing so that you're not just walking around giving mental assent to everything when you don't really believe it. So those are some practices. Uh, I want to leave you with some questions to reflect on. 
Because maybe you're like, you know what? I, I do feel like I'm walking away from my essential self. I, I don't feel permission really to be me. I, I don't know what it's like to really be a truth teller. I feel like I'm going to blow up the, the meeting every time I do that. I don't have a good gauge for who I should be around and who I shouldn't be around. So I tend to either completely blow up the conversation or the relationship or I just avoid everything. So here are three questions that, 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 that might help you determine um, some next steps. Number one, are there any toxic relationships that I need to set a new boundary with or boundaries with or that I just need permission to stop being in? There are certain relationships, certain people maybe that keep bringing up the same old thing and you've hashed it over time and time again and you just need to have a new boundary about that. Hey, we have talked about this ad nauseum. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore with you. And if you bring it up with me, I'm just, I'm just not going to engage you in it. If you email me that, I'm going to delete the email. If you bring it up in conversation, I'm just not going to engage because we've, we've, we've said all that we can say on this issue. And I don't feel like we're getting anywhere. Or someone that's just in, in some ways abusive. Um, and that could look in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the way you know that you're in an abusive or toxic relationship is if um, when, you, when you really think about that person, um, you feel the walls going up. You feel fear going up. You feel like you have to protect yourself. You feel you after you're with them, you feel a sense of regret or shame. You feel less than as a person versus more than healthy relationships, good relationships. You should walk away feeling more than you should walk away feeling in some senses like you contributed something and something was deposited into you. That's what a healthy relationship is. So are there any toxic relationships that you have to set new boundaries on or that you have to really stop? And that's OK. It's OK to stop a relationship. Um, honestly, it really is. So. Okay, second question. Are there any activities which you need permission to do or not do? I shared, uh, you know, like taking a nap. I mean, that's permission to do. But there might be some, like you might be even more of an introvert than I am, and there are some things you're just saying yes to, and you need to give yourself permission to not go out on that certain night because you're tired from work and you know you have to get up early. And it's not because you have plans, but it's just because you just, you are tired and you know yourself. So you don't need to lie when someone says, hey, you know, can, do you want to come over and do this thing? No, I really, I need my sleep. And, and, and there's, that's, that's truth telling, right? So you're not making up a lie. Um, you're just saying, Hey, I, I'm tired and I, I just, it needs to be a night in for me. Right. Or is it, um, permission to take a five minute break every hour at, at work so you can recharge your batteries? Is it, um, permission to stop going to that, that really crazy church that, that is not helping you at all? Um, is it permission to not attend the next family gathering because it's so toxic for you? Is it permission to, um, go to the, go look at art in an art museum once a month because that really fills your soul, uh, permission just to do something that's for you. Some of us, um, feel so guilty if we do anything for us. So what is permit, what do you need permission to do? and to not do? What activities? And then last question, what stimuli do you think you need to limit or walk away from? I feel like there's, I maybe do a lot of ranting about social media, um, but honestly, let's be honest, 
Come on now, people. To the degree that you're hooked on Twitter, it's probably not helping you become more essentially you. I mean, it probably isn't. Um, just pay attention to how your body feels after you spend half an hour on, on Twitter. How does your soul feel? How does your body feel? How does your mind feel? If you somehow feel more lifted up and more yourself by being on Twitter, then more power to you. But if you feel like something is drained out of you from scrolling on Facebook, from being on Twitter, from filling up your um, shopping cart on Amazon and then dumping it all out, if you feel less than, drained, a sense of unease after that, then folks, you're just going to have to take some steps toward limiting that stimuli. Um, some of us aren't sleeping well, but then if I were to ask you, okay, talk, talk to me about your screens after 9 p.m. Like, are you on your phone after 9 p.m., on your laptop after 9 p.m.? Uh, well, that's probably going to affect your sleep and it's probably not helping you um, it's probably not helping your brain start to move into shutdown mode. And when your brain is in shutdown mode, um, I don't know what the scientific term is for that, but it's really it's really filing everything away and, and, and it needs rest to do that. You've experienced a lot in a given day and your brain actually needs to file that stuff away. It needs time and space where it's not actively um, looking at stimuli over and over and over again. So... Those are some practices. Those are some questions. And again, what this is, this episode is all about is reclaiming our actual selves, our essential selves, to know what we need, to move toward it, to know how we really think and how we really feel, and to know how to name that actually, and to know how to create space for what is genuinely important. I hope this episode has been helpful. Um, I uh, would love to hear if it has been. Uh, shoot me an email, steve at stevewings.com or ping me on one of the social media sites. I truly am spending less time on, on those for me lately, but I still check in and uh, would love to check in with you on there regarding how you're doing. So uh, folks, we are dust and we're breath. We're limited and we're limitless. We're human and holy and we are in it together. Peace, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Weens Author, Twitter at Steve Weens, and Instagram at Steve Weens. And you can find all my work, all my books, the show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash thisgoodword. Suburban.